You took liberties, Phil. We are talking about this idea of centripetal, this force that holds us together. If anyone's been involved in any swinging of um, young people around about, you'll know that there's a force that wants to throw them away, and there's also a force that wants to keep them together. And uh, this little kid's experienced the force of the centrifugal force, the one wanting to throw you away. If you let go, he'd he'd absolutely sort of go into the water. But there's another force that's holding him together, holding the little child towards the middle. And that's called a centripetal force. When followers of Jesus actually commit their life to him and make a decision to say, yeah, I want to follow you, he, if you like, he applies this force in your life that actually pulls you in to another dynamic. And we talked about that last week when it comes to understanding that dynamic is called a church, not a building, if you like. It's actually more like a family. And so along the way, there's this force that actually wants to pull you in. In fact, Jesus asked the question, who is my mother, who is my brother, and who is my sister? When it comes to setting the boundaries in your life of who's allowed in and who's not, Jesus seems to go, I want to set the boundary markers wider beyond just biological lines. I want to draw them wider. And so this morning, I just want to unpack a little bit further in this month. So I said, come this week, maybe don't bring a friend to come along this one. Come next week, don't bring a friend to come along this. Then the week after, you can bring as many people as you like, because I want to dig a bit deeper into what this kind of means when it comes to new community. I want to shift our thinking, shift our behavior, and shape in some way this morning, in the coming weeks, our maturity. I was at a Christmas party this year, last year, last Christmas, and A family from here runs a Christmas party every year. And they invite all of their connections and their friends from all different spheres, some they haven't even seen for an entire year, but they come to the Christmas party. Well, I went along to the Christmas party, and I noticed that there was a man and a woman just over to the side, and so I went over, introduced myself. They said, as we got talking, they said, actually, we're involved in a rowing club. So, wow, I I, I know some people involved in rowing. Um, They said, yeah, where we are on the other side of the city, we actually joined this rowing club because it was low fees and had low expectation, or so we thought. I said, oh, okay, tell me more about that. He said, well, what's happened along the way is that there's been some Olympians that have been part of the club, and they're pushing really hard with higher expectations because it's all about juniors getting medals so the club can kind of increase in, in their kudos. I said, okay, and you don't like that? No, because we wanted low fee paying and low expectation. We just want to rock up on a Saturday morning when it pleases us, And we want to row and enjoy rowing because we're kind of veteran now and we don't take it as seriously. I said, well, does that happen? They said, well, actually, it doesn't happen. I'm so frustrated because sometimes we get there and they take the good rowers, the ones we want to row with, and put them in other crews because they want to improve the... So they said, look, what the place is lacking is a bit of vision and leadership. And we kind of don't like what it is, um, but we don't really want to give our time to changing it. And at the same time, we kind of feel sometimes that people just want to take our money and, and they want to just develop it into everyone else. And after all, they said it was a family-friendly club. And I thought, wow, I know a group like that too. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to some of those things. New community, challenges along the way, family dynamics, all of those things happening at once. And then as that's running through my mind, they go, but we've seen you guys that are all part, we think, of a church. And I went, yeah. They said, we notice you, you're over there. And I said, yeah, I'm with them too. And they said, well, we notice that in that group, you're so diverse. You're so different, all different shapes and sizes. 
but you seem to have a common bond together. And we're really curious about this. And I went, yeah, it is. It's really good. And, and as we talked and interacted, I thought, there it is. There is the dynamics in groups mapped out in every different situation. You can imagine it happens in rowing clubs. It happens in any kind of club, any workspace, any family space, and in any church space too. And as I got to talk to them, I said, actually, the thing that holds us together, if you like, is that there's this person called Jesus. And he makes a transition, a change in your life, so he causes us to kind of think differently about one another. They were curious. I wonder if you can relate to any of those things. You see, because at the heart of actually being able to shift behavior and shift, it starts with a shift in thinking, if you like. We said last week that to belong is the desire of every human heart, and I think it is. But along the way, when Jesus asked this question, who is my mother and my brother and my sister? He radically says, it's not just the people who you like. It's just not the people who are born with privilege. It's just not the people who are part of your family. If you want to change the world, you've got to think differently. So what I've been realizing along the way in the survey last week was really insightful for us is that we believe that this desire to belong powerfully shapes the way people think about faith, belief, and maturity. That is, if you form enough common bonds so that you feel like you belong in a particular place, the chances are that amongst those friends and people, you will actually be able to interact, explore things of faith, discover who Jesus is, unpack it if you like. But at the same time, if you're in a place that encourages you, that keeps you accountable, that asks you how your week was, that prays for you, there's a sense in which maturity will kind of grow and increase. But as long as belonging is there. But if this doesn't happen and there's no connections, if you like, those things diminish in their influence, in their power, in their force in someone's life. That's why building common bonds seems to be one of the most key ways for anyone, if you like, in any realm, to be able to grow connect, mature, if you like, explore things of belief. The trick is, though, how do we actually move from friendly to friends? If I drew a graph like this, what's the, the one that goes up? That's the... Um, thank you. And, and this one down here. If I was to put along the y-axis here, the belonging... And if I was to ask you, what is it that actually helps any one of us in any sphere to actually belong? We asked this last week, and the results weren't fascinating because they were things that you would probably think of. But the first one is that, if you like, it's the idea of showing up. People said, actually, when you show up, that's actually a huge contributor to anyone belonging somewhere. Now, we know this is not rocket science, don't we? But you know that our presence is powerful, just rubbing shoulders, being in the same space. But do you know what? Someone could actually be showing up for weeks and months and years in a workplace or in a church space or a a rowing club and never actually have an increased sense of belonging. That's true, isn't it? But then there's another thing that people suggested too. It's not only just showing up, but it's also offering up. That is, at some stage, someone will find it very meaningful for them if they make a contribution in any particular way, they'll feel like, hey, my, my, 
my skills and my thinking and, and my hands are actually valued here and I make a contribution. And that's a powerful shaper for people feeling like they belong. Some of you here right now, that's a high one for you. Hands up if you are a, a offering up kind of person to feel like you belong somewhere. All three of you. Magnificent. No. <laughs> then offering up, showing up, offering up. But then for some people, you could actually be serving and giving and contributing and working hard in your workplace and you're showing up on time. You're offering up every day. You don't feel like you belong. Why? Because you've never lent across the desk or the person next to you has never lent across their desk and actually, if you like, opened up. This one is the, if you like, the anxiety kicker in most people. That is at some stage in any forming sense of belonging, there's a moment in which you might share something vulnerable about who you are and in turn someone else shares something vulnerable back about who they are. Isn't that how it works? And so you, if you like, you, you surface the, the trust levels there. You share, you share, you share. And then along over time, things begin to change. But if no one opens up, if you don't open up, the other person, then it doesn't move. In fact, at the end of the day, you might get to a space where you go only after time, time's up, that there's a sense of belonging that's been formed that you actually look back at and go, yeah, I actually do feel like I belong in that particular space with that group of people, and it takes time. Where are you this morning when it comes to NCR and this sense of belonging? The survey, when I asked last week and those that responded, I said, where are you on the easy or difficult side of things in making sort of people, uh, allowing people to enter into your sphere? And it was interesting that out of the survey group, um, the number of people actually was split 50-50 that said, you know what, I feel like it was difficult. It's difficult for me to do that. And others said, it's easy for me. But even though it was a 50-50 split with that, 70% of the people that responded said, I will go out of my way on any given time we meet gathering on a Sunday to introduce myself to someone else because I know and understand that belonging is really important. It's a high value for me. But wow, even those people of you here who go, it's difficult for me, we're prepared to do it because you know what it feels like for yourself to be in that situation too. Belonging. I want to explore two ways in the moments we have left. And I want to talk about the first one, a paradigm shift. And the second one I want to talk about is a purpose shift when it comes to understanding what God's picture is about his church. First one this. If you want to follow with me, there's four ideas I want you to wrestle with me for a moment this morning. You see, Jesus asks these words, who is my mother and my brother and my sister, and is really re-describing family in a different way. One of the writers in the Bible, and you can look it up and follow with me if you like, the book of Galatians, um, a man by the name of Paul, he said, if you like, I want you to think in four powerful ways when it comes to understanding this gathered space here. He said, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning and checking out Jesus, one of the things that happens when someone comes to faith with Jesus, he welcomes you and he calls you a child of his. God, if you like, becomes a heavenly father. For all of you who are baptized into Jesus, the Messiah, have clothed yourself with him. There is neither Jew nor Greek in that speaking world back then. 
the world was divided into Greek speaking, and then, of course, there was Jewish people. So the Gentiles or the Greek speaking and, and the Jewish people, they said, doesn't matter which clan you come from, Jew or Gentile, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, you're all one. If you belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's offspring as according to the promise. If you like, you get linked in with Abraham, the man who was the person who believed God, who God said to him centuries before, I'm going to make you into a great nation that's going to influence the world for good. You get wrapped up, if you like, into his lineage into his connection, into his family, but it's actually God's. He said, I want you to think, firstly, see this gathering as family. Secondly, he uses the image of body. He says in another place, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But it doesn't matter which background you come from or where you are right now, but we have all been, if you like, immersed into, that's a word baptized, immersed into one body. He says, I want you to think about the gathered space to that church group is as being a body. The third one he says this. I want you to liken it to a bride. He speaks to the husbands. For husbands, this means love your wives. And then he goes on and says, just as Jesus Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. He died for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word, the word about Jesus and his good news. He did this to represent her to himself as a glorious church bride without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. It says, when you think about the gathered space, I want you to think about it as being like a, a bride. And then lastly, a building together. He says, we are his house built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. They're the people who have gone before. And the cornerstone is Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for, for the Lord, for God to dwell in through him. You Gentiles, people who weren't from a Jewish background, are also being made into this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Paul says, I want you to think about this gathered space. It's like a building with building bricks. And if you like, the temple used to be the place where God dwelt and people would come to that temple to actually meet with God. Now, he says, when you come to know Jesus, you get wrapped up into a bigger building, if you like, and it's the place where God dwells among, so I don't have to go to a temple, I can actually be part of seeing God at work amongst people's lives. Building, body, family, bride. How do you think about this space that you come to on a Sunday morning for an hour? Is it a bride? Brides are for cherishing. Is it a body? Bodies are for nourishing. Is it a building? Buildings are for shelter. Is it a family? Families are for loving. You see, before any belonging, if you like, happens in this, there needs to be, if you like, a paradigm shift. When we started this church about 14 years ago with a small group of us and our three kids, Bromman and I had to make a decision when we answered that question deeply. Who is my mother and my brother and my sister? Now, by no means is that an invitation to jettison responsibility and affection for your family of origin. However, we had to answer the question, if we're going to be involved in digging in and actually being wanting to build up, how do we see that space? Are they a family, a building, a body, a bride. And we looked at each other and we said, yes, 
this is my family. We answered the question by saying, you are. And you are, to some degree. Now, if you're here first time this morning, that feels just really weird. That's okay. You can just sort of you know, chuckle to yourself and say, but just travel with me for a moment. So much so that we would spend our holidays, and as part of our holidays, we'd say, come camping with us. Because that's kind of what families do. Now, over the years, we need some space to ourselves as well. You get that, right? <laughs> but at the same time, at a fundamental shift, it happened, and it still needs to happen, if you like, every month, year, decade, answer the question. It shapes and changes everything. By 350 AD, when Constantine became emperor of Rome, he could vouch that one in two citizens identified with following Jesus. Why and how could such a small group literally populate and change the entire known world at the time? I suspect it's because they viewed themselves as a building, as a body, as a bride, as a family, and so operated accordingly. Is this making sense? You see, if we don't make the shift, our ch- the chances are, if we don't make this fundamental shift in our own thinking, the chances are you will begin to treat NCR more like this than a bride or a body or a... This is a wonderful Bunnings store. Has anyone been to Bunnings before? Right. Does anyone owe Bunnings some money? Talk to me afterwards. Okay, so this is a Bunnings store. The wonderful beauty of a Bunnings store, right, is that if you need something and you want it now, where do you have to go? Bunnings. You can find all kinds of things in Bunnings. You just walk along the aisles until you find exactly what you're after. Yeah? You're after a new landscape, you can just go. If you're after a new personality, aisle seven, right? It's all there. The beauty for Bunnings is you can just walk in without any commitment, pay your money and leave again and turn up whenever you like. The problem is, is that when you treat any organization, any group, any club, even church family like a Bunnings, the chances are that you will spend more time critiquing how it went for you rather than contributing in a way that builds for eternity. Hmm. You see, if we treat the things that are available to us like a Bunnings, or if you come along on a Sunday and then afterwards you think, hmm, I didn't like that. Don't like the muffins they had out today. Why didn't they get white chocolate ones for me? Don't like the way they didn't have the chairs out this morning. Don't like the guy the t-shirt that talks too much. Like that, didn't like that, the chances are that you'll spend more of your time if you treat it like a Bunnings critiquing rather than shaping and changing something that will fundamentally impact the world and our community here for good. Am I making sense? So when I ask you this morning, in any sphere of your life where you're wanting to belong, but particularly here in this place here, what's it like? Is it more like a Bunnings store or is it a bride? Brides are for cherishing. Is it a body? Bodies are for nourishing. Is it a family? Families are for loving. Is it a... What's the fourth one? Exactly. For sheltering. The power of that 
organic group of Jesus followers was that they chose to answer that first question and make a paradigm shift. The second one comes quickly after it because the next one is this, a purpose shift. See, the power of a purpose shift is that if you don't treat it like a Bunnings, but it's like a bride, it's like a body, it's like a building, it's like a family, when you actually roll up to those spaces, you actually roll up with a different question in mind, don't you? Instead of asking the question, what can I get? You'll, you'll ask the question, what can I give? When you show up, it's not like, what can I take? It's about what can I connect with and who can I commune with rather than consume along the way. You see, when you get your thinking around it, it's that way, then all of a sudden the space opens up and it's a kind of space where people who have got broken relationships in their own lives go, whoa, those people don't cut me off. They're actually allowing me into their sphere. And as they're doing that, they're loving me. And I don't quite understand why, but gee, it's good. Like that group over there, we've seen you and we reckon you're a bit different. You see, when you actually turn up on a Sunday morning saying, not what can I get or we're just doing my job, but what can I give and what am I shaping? It shifts everything, does it not? And so Paul, one of the writers in the Bible who I've just quoted before, he says, if you make the purpose shift, you'll see yourself more like this. Now, these are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. The apostles say, I think we should go to the mountains. The prophets say, I think we should go to that particular mountain. The evangelists say, I'm going to tell everyone about going to the mountains. The pastors say, I'm going to care for them along the way. And the teachers go, we're going to instruct them in how to get there. And it all works together because it's supposed to be building up. It says the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Jesus. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of who Jesus is that we'll be mature in him, measuring up to the full and complete standard of who Jesus is. And when Jesus shines, he shines bright. You hearing me this morning? Starts with the question, who is my mother and who is my brother and who is my sister? And I answer it, you are. Who is my mother and my brother and my sister? And I answer it, you are. And I hope there's an answer back. So this week, I want you to do a paradigm shift if you haven't done one. And I want you to do the purpose shift. You see, this is our strategy around here. So we're going to talk strategy for one moment. Our mission, we exist to make courageous followers of Jesus Christ. Vision, building a growing community of vibrant Jesus followers, visibly impacting our sphere, shaping our city, and serving our world. Thank you, Joel. But along the way, we want to say shaping our city here is a big go for us. Celebrating Jesus when we gather together is a big plus. Managing for growth along the way, but these two areas here, we want to actually release resource into. We've been talking to someone over the last number of weeks about joining me and Steve and the staff who can help continue to cultivate people in community. Because we realize that just as we've been talking today, community and growth and maturity often happens in small clusters, threes, fours, five, six, small groups, life groups, home groups, all those things together. And along the way, activating people to say, how can I use my purpose for what I'm doing to build up others? Because that's how the body works. And along the way next week, I want to talk a little bit more about the implications of what that will mean for us financially, practically, all of those things together. Pete's going to come up in a moment. And these guys are going to give us some thinking space because I think we need some thinking space. Is that right? 
As I look at it, there's four key relational things that those early followers of Jesus said we want to do. If we, don't, if we stop doing these in different forms, we kind of go clunky and dry. W, worship prayer. This connection with God that says, hey, God, you're God and I'm not. And when people do that, when human beings orient themselves to open up their hearts and say, God, you're God and I'm not. Something shifts in the spiritual sphere that I can't quite explain, but it does. It reorients our thinking. Maybe it's because the act of worship is like saying, I'm not in control, God. I'm not the master of my destiny. (laughs) But you are. When human beings humble themselves, something happens. Changes happen. God can show up. Our learning, open the Bible, learn from each other, wisdom, life stuff, God stuff, all there. As soon as you disconnect from the source, you can make up your own rules. Fellowship, old-fashioned word. Doesn't mean warm hugs for all the introverts. But for the extroverts, game's on. serving two weeks time we get to serve engage Sundays are just part of our thing don't check out don't check out don't check out engage we're going to shape our city Lee's out in the hallway and if you don't know what this is every eight weeks we go out and we serve I've got a project I need people to help go and sign up go and sign up but one of those is called the heart of new community If you are new here, or if you've gone a bit stale here, you need to come to the heart of new community and spend a few hours talking about this, unpacking it deeper. So if you're new and you're checking out, this is the next step for you. Must sign. Go. But I love this mystery dinner here because it's a mystery to me. On Saturday, February 27th, an action for you might be to say, I'm going to turn up someone's place for dessert, but we still need like 10 people to host dessert and about another six people to host main course go on could you open up your heart and your home if you don't just open up your if you've got a pop-up shop open it up and just let people just come and sign up and say i'll have some people come to my place we'll organize it all but it's a way of connecting people i'll be quiet now you guys can sing in this reflective space i want you to process Ask yourself, do I see it as a body, a building, a family, a bride? If not, God, do some work with me. One of the key ways that people said, we find it hard to allow people into my sphere is because I've been hurt. I want to talk about that next week. Hurt. And if you would like some prayer this morning, I'm just going to be here, just over on the wall here. And Bron will be with me. If you want to just get up out of your chair and come on over, we'll pray for you. You can hop back down. We'll make a public thing. But for now, would you pray or process? Take a deep breath. Close your eyes if you like. Open them if you want. Spend some time with God, processing with Him, praying, receiving prayer if you like. It's your time.